0: Jesus is our example. He saved the world without technology, amazingly enough. (laughs) And we've been looking at his life, looking at the early phase where he was developing his relationship with his disciples, and remembering that he developed a relationship with them. uh, He said, come and see. They went to the wedding at Cana together. And then he began to demonstrate to them that they could be involved in ministry. He explained salvation by speaking to Nicodemus. He modeled how salvation works by working with the Samaritan woman. And uh, so our theme has been and continues to be, whoever claims to live in him, in Jesus, must walk as Jesus did. So we want to be remembering all that he did so that we can be like him, so that we can call out to God practically for his glory. We're going to be talking today about Jesus as he came to his hometown of Nazareth. And uh, he proclaimed good news that's about freedom, vision, and release. And our passage is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. Please turn to it and let's hear the word of God. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant sat down The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. May the Lord bless his word to us. So there's been this initial time of uh, relationship and revelation. And uh, Jesus has already begun to have a speaking ministry, which is something different from what the disciples first experienced with him, what we were reading about in that early part of John. And today, Jesus is making this declaration in Nazareth that is going to be the formal uh, beginning of his speaking ministry. Uh, some people call it the great Galilean ministry because he's come back to his home region of Galilee and he's going to be preaching there. And there, there will be major uh, sermons that he gives, the Sermon on the Mount and that sort of thing that that come in this period of where he's emphasizing teaching about the kingdom of God. And so it's helpful for us to, to dig into this and to think about it. Uh, Jesus is in his hometown and so he's recognized more so as the little boy that used to play with all the other little boys than as uh, Jesus, the teacher. And yet he comes there, and and this is the place where he needs to make this declaration. So in the habit of the synagogue, there came a time for reading, and individuals could stand up to ask for a scroll to be able to read it. And on that particular day, Jesus was given a scroll that contained Isaiah. Isaiah. They didn't have books back then. They had scrolls. And so he would be able to uh, open it up. And he found a particular place. They didn't have chapters and verses. But he, he found the particular place where this prophecy was recorded by the prophet. And so he spoke to the people. And he said this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news. He's making a statement about Himself. He's wanting them to understand that these words from Isaiah are about to come true in their midst. And then He uh, goes on down through the passage, and we see that He's going to talk about freedom, and that's freedom from sin. He's going to talk about vision, and that's being able to see salvation, come out of our blindness and see salvation. And he's going to talk about release, which is release from evil oppression. All of that's in the passage, and that's what we're going to dig into now. Let's just pray. Lord, we're thankful that the Lord Jesus was making this declaration. And we don't want to view it simply as a historic episode. But we want to know that you are actually procl- making the same proclamation to us today. So, Lord, help us to think through about freedom in our lives, about vision in our lives, seeing you at work in our, and knowing your salvation in our lives and being released from evil oppression in our experience. Help us, Lord, with that as we look in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we'll begin by talking about freedom. Jesus said, I have come because the spirit of the Lord is on me. God is working in and through me. I am making this declaration that I am the one that's spoken of in that text. I am the Messiah. And I have come to proclaim freedom to the prisoner. And we want to think about that. We don't want to just sort of say, wow, that's great. There's going to be freedom for people that are, are shackled. No, we want, to, we want to allow it to sink in a little bit more and think through it. And so it's helpful to begin to look at some of the epistles where uh, Paul uh, was able to unpack some of these ideas We'll look at three verses in the epistles. The first is in Romans chapter eight. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So this is what Jesus was pointing to when he was making the declaration. And Paul has seen that work in his own life. He had become a murderer against Christians. uh, And yet God spoke to him miraculously and saved him miraculously. And he now knows that despite all of the the consequences that should have been his because of his life before Christ, there is now therefore now no condemnation if we're in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death that's an amazing statement and we can pause and think about that and 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 understand that what Jesus was saying is look all the junk that's been holding you back I want you I want to be setting you free and I'm going to give you a new opportunity to live out uh, freedom for my glory Uh, Paul continues to deal on this subject with the Corinthians the Corinthians had a whole stack of things going on in their lives and had various troubles but Paul wanted them to break through all that and so second Corinthians he says this now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. He wanted to, to get through all of the discussions and, and, and all of the difficulties they'd had even in, in, in trying to listen to him because they, they pushed back on some of the things he was saying to them. And he wanted to point out to them, look, the, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit is, there's freedom. So the spirit is going to be coming to you and the spirit is going to come and work in the midst of all the stuff that's going on in your life. And as he's working there, his goal is to give you freedom. You may feel stuck. You may feel bound up. You may have any number of worries and troubles. And the Spirit is wanting to work and bless you so that you can break through that junk for freedom, to find freedom. And then in Galatians, he says, he reminds us that this is one of the goals of Jesus. It's it's in the Declaration, and it's just a repetition of that idea that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus didn't set us free so that we could be monotonously following through on stuff that he would tell us to do because he's told us to do it and therefore we better be good people. No, he set us free so that we can be living in joy and enjoy following him and and seeing him help us with the junk of our lives and moving on and making progress for his glory. That's the idea of the freedom that Jesus was talking about. And, and that's something we need to constantly remind ourselves to embrace. It's so easy, isn't it? You know, our phones can trap us because we, we sort of feel tied to the next text that's coming in or the next thing we're supposed to do or whatever it may be. Our jobs can, can trap us because there's all this stuff that's supposed to be, get done and we think our boss is the only boss we have. And, and so we, we worry about that. But God comes along and reminds us, no, I'm your real boss. And I'm going to set you free from the worry you're experiencing, from the trouble you're experiencing. So in the midst of that, that you can be able to move ahead. And that's why we want to talk about vision. And then we want to talk about release. So we come to the idea of vision. And Jesus here is is speaking about helping the blind. And we know that in his ministry, he went around and helped those that were physically blind. Those were real healings that actually happened. But here we're also talking about the bigger idea of spiritual blindness. Now, Because we live in a world where the world seems to think it has so many good ideas that uh, they don't know how spiritually blind they are. I look back at my own life as a teenager, and I thought I understood what the world was about. And I was reading books that seemed wise to me, secular books, and and they made me feel like I could understand how things work. And when I had friends telling me about Jesus, that didn't seem to matter so much. I was blind to the opportunities that were offered me uh, through the gospel. Uh, and I just thank the Lord that he broke through all of that and helped me to see his salvation. And we need to do that as to come to Christ. But we also need to do that to be able to live for him. And the dynamic we're pushing back against is this again from Second Corinthians. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I went to church before I became a Christian. And uh, one Sunday, I was in a communion service. And for whatever reason, I, I wasn't partaking of communion. I was just kind of there to meet a friend. But in that moment, God helped me to begin to sense that this was not just a ritual. This was a, something spiritual going on. And I got really afraid. And I, I took off as soon as that communion service was over. I didn't say goodbye to my friend. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. But God was just helping me to begin to have a little bit of, of sight to see that this is an immense thing that, that God is working. But so many people don't have that. And so we want to be glad that God can help us. We rejoice in that. We look back to the way he's helped us to see that Jesus is wonderful. We ask that he'd help us to see more and more of how wonderful Jesus is. And we also want to be thinking about people around us. Because, you know, you go down the street and you see someone that's, that's got a heavy look on their face. And, and you can actually pray for that person. You know, you don't know them. You don't know what's going on. But you can just pray for them in that moment. Say, Lord, there's someone that's blind, and they're, they're going through something heavy. Just help them, please. And we can get to know friends around us. And we can begin to lighten the load for them. And we, we are doing that as a church. But thanks, Phil, for all the work you've been putting into the garden. And, you know, was it 1,000? How many? It was 1,000% on the squash. How many pounds of squash? 250 pounds, you know, that's a few meals. There's, there's a bunch of people that are going to be blessed because we've been able to, to do that. We see that God wants to bless them, and we hope that by giving them some food, it will be a further blessing to them. Uh, And that they'll begin to say, well, I should check out God more. I should pay attention to him. Because what Jesus was saying is, I want to come and I want to break through people's blindness so they can see. As I was preparing this week, I got to thinking about the story of a speaker who's going to be coming here in November. uh, Second and third Sundays of November, a fellow named uh, John Jonathan is going to be coming. And He has a a fascinating story. We're uh, going to be sending his uh, testimony video out on the email blast tomorrow, or the first part of this week. And I'll just fill you in a little bit on something he said. He grew up in the Hamilton area. And sadly, he fell into the drug trade. He started using and then started uh, dealing. And he even uh, was managing a grow up uh, for marijuana. And so you can just imagine the darkness that he was in. You can imagine the fights he got into, the, the violence that was involved in all of that. And his mother had become a Christian when he was younger uh, and had always invited him to church and always prayed for him. But he would put that beside, put that behind him. He didn't want anything to do with that. He was just trying to get along in his own life. He was that blind. And then one day, what happened was he was targeted for a drive-by shooting. And so he was in a phone booth. And the car came by just a few feet away out in the street. They fired three shots, and all three of them missed him. And he came away from that, that, that moment saying, wow, God has saved my life. And, and it's at that point that God began to break through his blindness. And he looks back, and this is what he began to see. This is how he began to have vision in his life. He says, I really thought about what happened. And I made the decision that if God was going to save my life... The drug addicted, coward, violent person that I was, if God was going to save my life, then I was going to give it all to Him. And you see, that's His transition from blindness to sight. God got his attention through that drive-by shooting through the fact that he should have been dead. They were that close. They shouldn't have missed, but they did. And he attributed that to God, and that allowed the, the darkness around him to be uh, separated from him so that he could see the light of Jesus. And he said, if God was going to save my life, then I was going to live for him. He saw the light. He ran after the light. And uh, you'll be able to hear all about that in his testimony if you want to follow the link. So, you see, that's what Jesus was talking about. I'm coming into the world, and I'm going to save blind people. And we can see that happening in a guy like John Jonathan. We can see it in our own lives as we look back. We can pray that for people around us who are stuck and and don't yet understand about the life of Christ that can live in them, about how his light can bless them. And... So we want to be thinking about that idea of vision and thinking about how it works as Jesus has gone on to be with God in glory. Hebrews helps us at at, uh, verse 9 of chapter 2. We see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor. So this is the dynamic in vision that helps us to keep moving forward because we know that, yes, we look back in our past and we can see as we've become Christians that he's helped us with our spiritual blindness. But there's this even greater vision that he's always calling us forward to. There's this wonderful dynamic that he wants us to be able to grasp. That Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, is now crowned with glory and honor. And our trajectory is to go and be with him in glory throughout eternity. That's our hope. That's our opportunity. That should be our vision. And with that in mind, we want to talk about release you're probably all familiar with the Lord's Prayer and the line that says, Deliver us from the evil one. It's a, a phrase that's in there that helps us to remember and understand at the same time as it's an important prayer for us to be praying. Because as we pray that, we remember that Jesus tells us that there is evil in the world, and there is a, an evil one in the world, a devil and that he is fighting against us, and that God wants us to understand that we're supposed to push back against that, and that we're supposed to uh, look to him to deliver us, so that we always need to be in a trusting relationship with God, asking him to be releasing us from the troubles that are besetting us from the evil one at any given moment. We can also uh, think about how Jesus prayed for the disciples when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying for his disciples, but he also prayed for those who would become Christians through them. That means us. And he was praying, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one." So it means that we're still going to be for a time in this world with its troubles. We're going to be living in it with our own junk, in our own lives, our own sinful nature. And uh, we need to be aware of that and pushing back against it and calling out to Jesus to protect us in the midst of that, to protect us and to help us. We all will face temptation. It may be that you feel heavy about something, that you're worried about something, that you have anxiety or, or something like that. Uh, God wants to come along and help you in the midst of that and release you from the way the devil will tempt you to keep going back to the things that worry you. We're not supposed to be worriers. We're supposed to be joyful for God's glory. We may have patterns in our lives that are unhealthy you know the the big temptations in the world are money, sex, and power, and those things beset us in different ways. We may begin to want more than we actually need and get caught up in in worrying about our finances that way. We may have lustful dynamics going on in our lives we may be dissatisfied with our job or our place in life and 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 our we, we get into pushing too hard to try and get forward and in our life. And God wants to come along and help us where the devil is using things like that as as a temptation and trying to take away our joy and, and instead pull us into his evil influence. So we want to be able to know that in that moment we can be praying that God would be helping us, that he would protect us from the evil one, and that we'd understand the big dynamic of temptation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not tempt you beyond what you can bear, but with the temptation will also provide a way of escape. And and so we need to be training ourselves as we are facing temptation, as we sense the evil one coming at us, that we need to be knowing that we can be calling out to Jesus to help us to find the way of escape and to stick to it. Sometimes we know about it and we don't want to stick to it. and, And we need to ask God to really work in our will to help us to focus and follow through. But the point is that in the midst of all the difficulties, Jesus is leading us towards release. Uh, and and he will help us, even though we're still in the midst of difficulty. Paul uses some metaphors to help us with that. Uh, one is from uh, Ephesians six eleven. Put on the full armor of God, he says, so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is a schemer. Uh, And he can take something that's good and he can twist it so that we begin to worry about it or we begin to get overly trusting in in some human dynamic. And we need to be aware of all those schemes. And Paul suggests that we can have the idea of an armor. We can have an idea of habits that help us as we read the word, as we pray, as we trust God on a daily basis. Uh, We can put on an armor that will help us to take a stand against the devil's schemes. Yeah, he goes on in verse 16, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So that there's going to be stuff come at us. Maybe it'll be circumstances. Maybe you'll be just about ready to start combining and something goes wrong with the machinery. Maybe you'll be at school and having a good day, and all of a sudden, someone says something to you, or a prof uh, doesn't like the work you've been doing, or something like that. And it comes at you like a a flaming arrow, and you sort of feel the thud as as it takes you out, or tries to take you out. And in those moments, we have a shield of faith. We can, in those moments, pray, Lord, man, that, that, I just took a hit, and I need your help. Lord, thank you that you, you're going to be able to give me strength now. And Lord, thank you that you know how to resolve this. Thank you for all of that, that we remember who God is, and we trust him, and we use our shield of faith. So with that in mind, we want to move to application. Application. I've been dealing with some of the negative side of our lives and how God wants to help us with those things. But I, I find on Thanksgiving Sunday that we want to move into a positive dynamic that, that is in the same direction but, but just is dealing with the positive nature of our, our holiday. So I think for application, a general question we can be asking is what blessing can God build on? You know what, what positive thing has he been doing in your life that you can call out to him to help you with so that you see more and more of it? And isn't it amazing to think that God is a God who is who looks down on us, who pays attention to us, and likes to give us blessings? It's beautiful. And it happens in crazy ways. And I'm going to use a very down-to-earth example. But I think it's crazy enough just to help us to think through that, that God can do unique things that we don't often expect. So some of you have heard about this, but now I have photo evidence. There I am. <laughs> that's uh, me, and that's my granddaughter, Emma. And that's a horse, a miniature horse. That's not a pony, that's a miniature horse. And, we were at the Tiverton Fair last Saturday. And you know it was exciting to be able to go to the Tiverton Fair with our grandkids. And you know, they, lots of people were there with miniature horses. And a lot of them were allowing us to pet the horses. And that was all wonderful. But one of the families had a horse. They, they, they had several horses they were going to be showing in, in one particular round of the show. And they needed someone to go out with the horse. And lo and behold, I ended up out there you can see I didn't get his legs back. You know, I didn't have the finer points, but I managed to, to do it. And lo and behold, if that horse didn't win the first prize. <laughs> and they, the family had already won a few of these first place ribbons, and they were so gracious to let us take one away as a souvenir. And, you know, like, I look at that and I say, isn't God great? That on a totally random Saturday, you know, and, and, and Jeff and Emily were there, too. They're, they're miniature horse people. So if, if you don't believe it, you can ask them. <laughs> isn't it great that on a totally random Saturday that God works in our lives and our circumstances and gives us blessings like that? And isn't it great, you know, like, did that funny-looking guy in the black coat actually win anything? No, the the beautiful white and black miniature horse did. And, you know, that's how blessings work. God brings us into situations and he brings us into circumstances where we get to participate. But it's actually someone else that's winning the victory. It's actually someone else that's procuring the blessing. It's the presence of Jesus with us that's doing that. And and so we can think about so many opportunities in our lives, and there's so many moving pieces in our lives, so many things to think about. I think Hebrews 12 wraps it up for us well. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. That's my prayer for us this Thanksgiving. Jesus came and made a proclamation. It was a proclamation about his kingdom. His proclamation was that the Spirit was working through him so that we might be able to see freedom, so that we might be able to deal with spiritual blindness, to have vision, so that we might be able to put off evil, oppression, and find release. And that comes to us and we're reminded that that is a part of the kingdom that we are receiving, the kingdom we look forward to when we will will be with Jesus throughout eternity. And we can be thankful that God is giving us so many blessings that fit into that great plan. We can be thankful. And as we're thankful, we can look to God to help us with the freedom, to help us with the vision, to help us with the release so that we can worship him acceptably with reverence and awe. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are so rich to us in the blessings you give us. We thank you that we have such opportunities because Jesus is powerfully working in us by your spirit. And we just look to you and we ask for your help that we would really be truly thankful this Thanksgiving and being thankful that we would be able to overflow with praise and to overflow with a desire to serve you better. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.